The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> J.P. Shacker, John Osher, and NFL Network Analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's got to be about the future. It's got to be about tomorrow and bringing all that into focus as we, you know, attack the season. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. And welcome in. It's Wednesday. It's week 10, and it's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, John Osher. Busy show ahead as we get ready for a trip to Arrowhead to face the Chiefs. NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks with us every Wednesday from Los Angeles. Senior writer John Osher sits just across the desk from me here in Jacksonville. And it's the Jaguars at 3-6, and six, the Chiefs at 6-2, and two, coming up this Sunday at 1 o'clock. Hey, welcome in, guys. Here we are, another another week of Jaguars football, Bucky, after a win last week. This time, and a tough trip to Arrowhead awaits. Yeah, big big win for the Jaguars to get that, uh, to get off the snide five games in a row. That was tough. Uh, but to get in the win, to get in the win column gives them a little confidence, a little momentum, going into a very, very tough environment in Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs, who also happen to be one of the top teams in the AFC. They're decent uh, on offense, John. I'll say that. Well, as I told Brian Sexton this morning, Arrowhead's a tough environment because the Chiefs are really good. I mean, it, it, it always helps to get that home field advantage when a team's really good. Uh, I think it's the toughest test they've had, the Jags, uh, certainly since Philly, but maybe even, maybe even tougher than Philly because um, of the way the Chiefs play. They can get up on you, maintain intensity, uh, the way Mahomes plays, it can feel like your head's spinning a little bit uh, defensively if you haven't seen that before. It can get away from you in a hurry, and I'm not sure Philly really has that. Uh, so in that sense, the blitzkrieg nature of, of what this can become, if they can withstand that early, not be out of it early, then you can hang with them, but that's a tough task. Let's hear from the Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson, today, his Wednesday press conference ahead of this Week 10 matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, a priority, of course, for the Jaguars' defense. Just sort of ad-libbing, sort of on the run, out of the pocket. He's hard to sack, hard to get to. Ball comes out fast, and it can come out anywhere. Um, and that's what makes him special, you know. And um, we just got to do our best to – you know, uh, stay attached to, to receivers and tight ends, backs out of the backfield. And, and um, you know, the pass rush has got to be, you know, it's got to be on point, you know, and, and, and try to put as much pressure as we can and try to keep them in the pocket. But that's, that's, uh, that's a challenge. That's hard to do. Good luck with that. Uh, he, he gets out of there and throws sidearm, no look passes, all the above. And it's one of the best offensive groups in all of the NFL, of course, with Mahomes leading the way in passing yardage this year. Kansas City is uh, the number one passing offense in the NFL, second overall. They're good in almost every metric. They don't give the ball away too much. They score more than anybody in the league, 30.4 points per game. They get it from Mahomes to the tight end. That's priority number one for this Chiefs offense, and that's that's the biggest challenge, I think, for any defense in the NFL, Bucky. Yeah, no, they can do it a bunch of different ways. And the thing that is different about this version of the Chiefs offense than previous versions is they don't have Tyreek Hill. And so without Tyreek Hill on the field, they're not necessarily the big play 
uh, juggernaut that they were in previous years. But what they do is they kind of nickel and dime you. Pat Mahomes uh, has become an even better distributor in terms of playing on time. But the X factor is his ability to buy time, his improvisational skills. And a lot of that is you like he's relying on his athleticism and scrambling ability to kind of lure you to him. And then he throws it over your head. And so it's a test not only for the secondary, but it's a test for the front seven because the front seven has to stay disciplined in their rush lanes. They have to be on alert that when he flees the pocket, someone has to track him down. And then the secondary has to know, I got to trust those guys up front to deal with him. I have to plaster our my man. If I don't plaster my man, that's when the big plays happen. And so the defense is split, but everyone has to do their job to have any chance of slowing down this offense. Yeah, they're one of those teams that test you mentally in the sense that I think defensively against the Chiefs, you can be playing pretty well and playing well maybe compared to some other games you've played, and you look up and they've scored a couple of touchdowns. And that can mess with your confidence, obviously. Uh, you almost need a couple of breaks. Um, if you get opportunities to catch a turnover against this team, meaning if you get your hands on the ball and you're, def- and, uh, you're on defense, you have to take advantage of them because they don't come, they don't come along very often. So it, it's a test of uh, focus in that sense of every play matters so much. And even if you give up a touchdown, you can't really worry about it because it's going to come back and they're going to keep going and going and going at you. So it's uh, it's brutal to play these teams, especially when you have a quarterback who can escape like Mahomes because, again, you feel like you're doing your job. You feel like you've done it. You've beat your guy. You've covered your man, and yet the ball's still there and you scored. You can't let that get you down. They're probably going to score 28. I mean, or, They're going to get uh, 24. Yeah, it feels that way. So you've got to keep playing break serve, as I like to say, and get the turnover when it hits your hands and just accept that you've got to have the breaks to beat this team. Mm, it's what it is, Bucky. Yeah, it is what it is, but I, I will say this. like, Let's not necessarily paint them out to be an unbeatable squad because we saw the Indianapolis Colts knock them off early in the year. And the teams that have had the most success against the Chiefs have been able to keep the ball in front, make them nickel and dime, and then they played lights out in the red zone. Uh, the Tennessee Titans pretty much dominated that game the other night and kind of let them off the hook. They had a great defensive game plan, and they were able to do it with only getting one first down after the five-minute mark in the second quarter. And so there's a formula and a blueprint that's out there, but it will take a complementary effort, meaning the offense, defense, and special teams have to be married together to make sure that uh, the plan is working cohesively because if you get all three phases to play together, that is the best way for you to knock off the Chiefs. If you think the offense is going to win a shootout, if you think the defense is going to hold them down, that's not going to be the best way to beat them. you got to have everybody playing well as a unit. If you do that, then you have a chance to knock them off. I got a question for the scout slash defensive coordinator. I'm ready. Bucky Brooks. Oh, oh, oh Bucky. Yeah, okay, Bucky right. Brooks, right. not John Osher. Um, Travis Kelsey, been at this thing for a long time, plays at a high level. When is he at his most effective, and and how do you slow him down? I don't know if you're going to shut him out in a game in terms of catches, but how do you scheme it? How do you cover it to to minimize his impact if you can? Well, number one thing, you have to know when he's the primary target. So on money downs, key situations, the ball is going to Travis Kelsey. So third down uh, in the red zone, 
that's where your antenna should be up. 87 is going to touch the ball. Uh, I think coming into this, if you took an old school approach, you have to beat him up. And so he's not going to be aligned as an inline tight end much, but you have to instruct Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker and everybody to know where 87 is. If he's in close proximity, you need to bump him. You need to put your shoulder into him. You need to make it very, very difficult and challenging for him to have free releases. And you're hoping that if you can disrupt his release, it forces Pat Mahomes to go elsewhere with the ball. The other thing that you have to do in dealing with Travis Kelsey, you have to bracket him, but you have to determine who are the lesser evils that you're willing to live with making catches. Uh, do you want to take away Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster and make MVS or Miko Hardman or the running backs beat you? Uh, those are the decisions that Mike Caldwell and Deshae Townsend and those guys have to make when it comes to building the best game plan to neutralize a very, very potent and explosive offense. Yeah, to me, the key here, Buck, is uh, we got to get you bracket Kelsey. You uh, pay attention to the receivers. The Chiefs' offensive tackles are good, but haven't been playing great. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, Smoot, uh, their ability to impact Mahomes and get him off spots, I've been saying all week, if Josh Allen can have a Josh Allen versus the Bills type game uh, where he's in the face and he's creating, that's the way that you negate the skill guys is you somehow disrupt Mahomes, get the ball in the air, uh, get the ball flying around off a deflection, and I get picks that way, and I get them disrupted. I I think the pass rush, which has not been great this year but has had some moments, to me is the overriding key in this game. Yeah, I mean, ideally in a perfect world, you'd like to be able to get home with four. You know, you don't want to have to bring additional uh, blitzers uh, to get uh, the pocket kind of chaotic and uh, disrupt the rhythm of the passing game. But every person that you add to the rush is one person you take out of the coverage, and it exposes a very vulnerable secondary. Last week, we saw the Jaguars kind of change tactics when they were dealing with the Las Vegas Raiders. They went from more of a man-heavy defensive plan to a lot of zone, a lot of match zone, where they were willing to concede the short throws, but they wanted to rally and tackle. Because that was successful and because we didn't see big plays, I would expect to see more of that. But the challenge would be, the discipline, the discipline of the eyes of the defenders, the discipline of the pass rush, not to uh, rush past the quarterback and then Patrick Mahomes escapes and buys time and he eventually finds someone to uncover for a big play. Uh, this has to be a very disciplined and dialed in unit uh, to approach it if you're going to take a bend but don't break style. Because the other way we know, if you blitz him, he's going to get you and you're going to pay because we've seen too many balls fly over the head of the secondary. He is waiting for an opportunity to catch the Jaguars in the blitz. So he can cash in his lotto ticket. Cash in a lottery. Yeah, ticket. there it is. There's another Buckyism. There it is. The, the lottery ticket. He goes to the lottery ticket all the two time. Billion Did two billion dollars. Did you win? Was that you? Did you win it? It was in Pasadena. It was that was up the road from you? It wasn't up the road, but I don't know if you remember Peco, who plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. His dad owns the store where the ticket was sold. So his wow. dad cashed in a million dollars for the two million dollar lotto. How about that? How about that? It's a pretty good little payday. For the uh, convenience store, for sure. Hey, uh, we'll come back. Million or the two billion? Yeah, two billion. Yeah. Uh, he only got billion. one million, though, right? Yeah, no. He only, only got, a the store million. Only got one million. Only, only, he only got a million. Only a million. <laughs> if I only got a million, you huh. wouldn't see me here. <laughs> yeah, he, he, would, he would be <laughs> only, only everywhere else but here. Is but where I would he would be, be only at home. 
Uh, we're back in a moment. Jaguars offense last week, efficient. Certainly in the second half, Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence trying to build upon that performance in week nine against the Raiders. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxury. FieldsAuto.com. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. It is great. It's good to have, you know, a guy that's making uh, plays like that, especially, uh, you know, explosive ones. You know, uh, credit the guys that are blocking, obviously, um, and creating those holes. But he's he's been able to, you know, rip through some arm tackles and, and, and extend, you know, extend a run. But, uh, yeah, you never know. You never know when that one play is going to come where he's going he's gonna to rip one off. That's the head coach, of course, Doug Peterson, discussing the play of the running back, Travis Etienne. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shatterk, and John Ogier here in Jacksonville. Bucky Brooks out in Los Angeles. The Jaguars have the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday at Arrowhead. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff time on CBS. And, hey, uh, yeah, the run game's rolling right now, which is a good thing. And, and Travis Etienne's over 100 yards again, five straight games with over 100 scrimmage yards, so it's not just the run game. Primarily it has been, though, the last couple weeks. He was really effective in the second half last week against the Raiders when he ran for 82 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown to get things done for this offense. And then Trevor throwing off that run last week, Bucky, um, was some of the most efficient play we've seen from the quarterback. And when you have the run game going, the quarterback efficient, good things can happen. Yeah, good things are beginning to happen for this offense. And I think it's taken half the season for Doug to figure out the identity of the offense. But right now, it's very apparent. Travis Etienne is the number one playmaker on this offense. And what you want to do is build the game plans around him. Trevor Lawrence now drops down to the complimentary role. And so what you're doing, instead of passing to set up the run, you're now running and doing some things around Travis Etienne to set up Trevor Lawrence. The other thing that we saw from that is using Travis Etienne as a little bait to continue to utilize Trevor Lawrence's athleticism in the run game. We saw him have, what, 60 yards, 63 yards uh, the other day, running, getting on the edges, doing some zone read things. It is another compliment to what this offense can do. And so uh, when you enter the season as a head coach, Doug Peterson comes in thinking, oh, this is the way that we're going to have to play. But somewhere around the midpoint, you have to say, look, I like how we thought we were going to to approach the season but right now here's where we are and when you make those hard assessments you tweak the game plan you tweak the play calls to make sure that your best players are given maximum opportunities it's not a coincidence that in the last two weeks Travis Ntn has been targeted to have 25 plus touches I think that trend continues as he clearly established himself as the number one option in this offense yeah this is intriguing stuff I mean in the last month I knew Travis was good I didn't I didn't know he was this good uh, in the last month, all of a sudden, you're starting to see a guy develop into a uh, a Pro Bowl level player, if you will, uh, a star on offense. I was trying to think back. A Rob went to the Pro Bowl, and DJ Chark went to one Pro Bowl. I think that's right. Yep. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure there's been a skill guy in the Pro Bowl uh, since I've been back here in 2011. I mean, I, I'm not trying to make, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to criticize guys in the past. I'm just trying to think. Leonard go? I don't think he went, did he? Fournette. Yeah, and with apologies to Leonard, it, it, even when he was really good as a rookie for this team, he wasn't yeah, this. Right. I mean, he. he uh, so it's interesting to see a guy sort of develop 
uh, Bob, before your eyes into one of the top. I think Bucky in 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 his scouts take uh, that he does for us said uh, top five running back. I mean, you're starting to see an offense that has an identity, and this kid's the identity, and it's elite stuff. And, and I'm just not used to it. I haven't seen it around here in a long time, Bucky. Am I over-exaggerating how good this he is league-wide? I mean, he's turning into a legitimate big-time player. No, legitimate big-time player. Now, here's the thing. When he came in as a rookie, there was that that quiet – conversation about well maybe he's Alvin Kamara maybe he could give them what Alvin Kamara has given the New Orleans Saints for years uh, a player who's not only productive as a runner but is very dynamic in the passing game we've seen the running part of it I would say the next step for Travis is to be a more dynamic and explosive playmaker in the passing game because if he is able to impact the game not only as a runner but as a receiver now it changes not only the way that you defend in the box but how you have to direct your coverage. Do you begin to bracket him? And now that creates one-on-one opportunities for Zay Jones and Marvin Jones uh, and Christian Kirk. Uh, do you have to load the box and do some of those things? It just makes it a lot easier and simpler for Trevor Lawrence to be able to operate when you have a guy cooking like Travis Etienne is cooking. Oh man, it's, it's a different offense. And you're seeing the ability to score points because Travis Etienne is really coming into his own as a playmaker. Yeah, Leonard Fournette did not go to the Pro Bowl that year. That was um, obviously all defense for the Jaguars that year in the Pro Bowl, but it was Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, Kareem Hunt were the Pro Bowl running backs in yeah. the AFC. That was off, just to confirm that. Yeah, it, and again, I, I mean, now people who listen to these shows are probably tired of hearing me talk about it. It's the toughness and the vision. I mean, it, I knew he was fast, uh, but Bucky, mm-hmm. it, it, what strikes me about Travis right now it's really not even his speed that's making him special right now. It's it's the vision. It's the cutback. Uh, I think he'd be a big-time runner even if he wasn't a blazing speed guy. Yeah, no, it's, it's really funny because I do wonder, like, how fast he is, like, verified times. Like, uh, I don't feel like he's a 4-3 guy on the field. I feel like he's a 4-4 guy who has wiggle and stop-start quickness, and he's able to kind of get through cracks that's been the best part of it. I think the thing that has surprised everybody is the toughness and the lower body power. His ability to run through arm tackles, his ability to display what we call contact balance, meaning he's taking those glancing blows but not going down uh, at first contact, not being knocked off his pins uh, as soon as someone gets close to him. To me, that is rare. That's a special ability. And we talked about it. I can't remember if it was the scoreboard show where we talked about the Mount Rushmore of running backs in Jaguars franchise history. And we talked about Fred Taylor and MJD. And you already can begin to envision Travis Etienne being one of those guys. And we've seen it. When the Jaguars have had five-star running backs, they have had a chance to be really, really good on offense. It's a different style that the offense is operating under. But right now, Travis Etienne is a five-star running back. And that gives this offense an opportunity to put up points because you can build around his skill set to help the complements get loose and jp you just can't get knocked off your pins if you're going to be a running back in this league <laughs> it's advisable to stay no, on your pins stay on the pins yeah stay on there that is what i learned i'm no expert second. but it seems seems right uh hey the kansas city defense here's how they rank in nine weeks of football so far 20th overall defense Pretty good against the run. Teams have to throw to keep up with their offense, so um, the teams are throwing on them a little bit. Third down, upper third, 
Uh, they have some issues in the red zone, goal to go. And there you have it. Uh, you know, how does this matchup work for the Jaguars? Can they can they make some hay against this defensive group? And how do you do that? Who do you have to really look out for on the defensive side of the ball for Kansas City, Bucky? Uh, Kansas City has some really good football players. Uh, they have some good players up front. Chris Jones is uh, one of the guys that you have to, stop, to, to worry about. Defensive tackle, size, strength, power, great pass rush skills. He and Frank Clark are a nice inside-outside tandem for the Chiefs. But when you're dealing with the Chiefs, you're dealing with Steve Spagnuolo. And if you're dealing with Steve Spagnuolo, it is a lot of crazy, exotic blitzes coming from any and everywhere in any instance and circumstance. So this game will be a lot of blitzes to try and take away Travis Etienne while also creating chaos for Trevor Lawrence. That said, it is a feast or famine defense. When they're on, yeah, man, they're knocking the quarterback around and creating turnovers. But when they're not, they surrender and give up big plays. Uh, you saw on Sunday night, the Tennessee Titans had success running at them with a backup quarterback that they did not want to allow throw. And so there's some cracks in this defense. It's up to the Jaguars to figure out if they can exploit them. We'll come back in a moment. The health of the Jaguars is in pretty good shape so far. We'll get to that coming up. And we're about halfway home. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. He's coached me, and, and I've worked with him and worked for him and everything. And, and um, you know, just uh, uh, the players love him. He's hard. He's a you know, disciplinarian. He, he demands a lot, you know, all the things that, that I strive to do, you know, in my, in my job. And, um, and then just with the offense, you know, he, he is creative, um, does a great job of putting his, his guys in, in positions to make plays. And, and, you know, you just see it over the years, the teams that they've um, put out there have all, all been great football teams, you know, and, and same, th- same thing in Philly. You know, it started out slow uh, in 99 when I was there as a player. Uh, but but quickly quickly escalated with with you know better talent around and a better quarterback at the time and uh, you know they were they were competing for you know NFC title games just like they are you know now in Kansas City. That's the head coach Doug Peterson, of course, on Andy Reid, the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, J.P. Shadrick, and John Osier alongside. Yeah, I have a question for. Uh... The historian, if you will. Um, how much has he shaped the game, Andy Reid, Bucky? And, and, I, and what I mean by that is over the last 20 years, him and Belichick are really the most successful coaches. Mm-hmm. And Andy's offense, his ability to adapt to his personnel, I mean, I, I know he's taken the West Coast offense and he, he's made it something else. But how much of this game is is uh, shaped by his philosophies right now? Because it seems to me that may be an underrated uh, part of him. I think it's really underrated. And I will say this. Doug Peterson and I played together in Green Bay. Andy Reid at the time was a tight ends coach. And as a defender, he was the scout team uh, coach. So he was responsible for holding up the cards, making sure that the scout team defense provided the offense with the great look. So the Codex squad, he was in charge of that. Never in my wildest dreams could I think Andy Reid evolved to being the offensive wizard that he has been. But by his own accounts, he played at BYU under Lavelle Edwards, always had a fascination with the passing game. And I think the thing that he's been able to do is take all the lessons that he learned from Coach Holmgren, 
when it comes to the pure West Coast offense. The stuff that he learned from Lavelle Edwards, who they they told me he only had four running plays in his playbook when he <laughs> BYU was rolling, which is kind of impossible to even think that that's how few uh, running plays they had. And then to really adapt and adjust, because normally you don't see older coaches who get excited about the creativity that might be displayed in the lower ranks. Andy Reid is not afraid to take high school plays, college plays, and put them in the playbook to help his guys be in a position to make plays. It's one of the reasons why this offense is fun, but he's been able to kind of toe the line with that creativity while still using the West Coast offense as a base. It has really been uh, a masterful job that he's done as a play designer to take this offense, this scheme, uh, to the next level. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think fans hearing that, the first reaction to the cynic might be, well, it's easy to do it with uh, Patrick Mahomes. But you're seeing the elite version of Andy Reid's offense with Patrick Mahomes, but it's been effective and dynamic for a long time. Donovan, Donovan McNabb mm-hmm. was really good, but he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. That's right. Alex Smith is really good, but he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. So this is a two decades of a consistent productivity uh, – I'll bet he's been a top 10 offense, you know, 15, 16 years of that, you know. So it's, again, it's remarkable. I think he's uh, has reshaped the game and I've been able to take it in a direction that I'm not sure people saw it 15 years ago. No, John, let me, let me jump in and say this because people talk about him as the quarterback whisperer. In the last few quarterbacks that he's had, like Alex Smith was a number overall pick, and then he saw something in Pat Mahomes that a lot of people didn't see. When they took Pat Mahomes – in the draft. There were a lot of people that had second round grades on Pat Mahomes because he was a sandlot player at Texas Tech who had remarkable skills, but you had never seen anyone who played the game in that fashion translate into a successful NFL quarterback. But it goes beyond that. Let's think about in Philadelphia who he had, uh, Coy Detmer. Uh, He had Kevin Cobb playing at a level where people were (laughs) enticed and intrigued by him and made a, a trade to get him. He took Michael Vick and made Michael Vick a very, very competent passer after he was away for the game for two-plus years. And so being a quarterback guru and a developer, he has the ability to not only work with the quarterback position, but he's able to take pieces because let's talk about the wide receivers that he had for the long time. He didn't get a marquee receiver in Philadelphia until they got uh, Terrell Owens. And then if you think about because everyone goes crazy about Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick who was – entering the league as a kick returner that they developed into a pass uh, catcher. And so it is a lot about the development and the schematics when it comes to Andy Reid. He'll go down as one of the best coaches in NFL history because of his ability to scheme it up, but also develop players. You know, I I was just going through, um, you know, the the BYU thing. Jim McMahon was the quarterback at BYU when Andy Reid was a tackle there. They were 12-1 and his senior year in 1980. How about that? <laughs> throwing the ball over the yard. You're right. Why run it? I, I, yeah, throwing it all over the yard. That's why he doesn't like to run the ball now. Like he, He's not a fan of running the football. He wants to throw it all over the yard. He loves the creativity. He got a, look, a, a master's class in throwing the ball with Lavelle Edwards and then joining Mike Holmgren and really learning how to coach multiple positions because he went from – you know, being an offensive lineman to coaching tight ends to then coaching the quarterback position with Brett Favre and his ability to kind of rein in Brett Favre and develop Brett Favre gave him a blueprint for how to handle Pat Mahomes when Pat Mahomes came in the league. As it relates to Doug Peterson, 
Doug Peterson being there for a lot of that stuff in Philadelphia and then in Kansas City, he also has seen that a system can elevate the perimeter pass catchers if the quarterback is good enough. And so we are waiting to see how that system can help take Trevor Lawrence to the next level, but also take uh, a bunch of playmakers on the outside and put them at the next level because the system creates opportunities for those guys to score and make big plays. And Doug said something interesting sort of along those lines today in the presser, and I guess I'm speaking to everybody who keeps on saying they need to run more, they need to do this, they need to uh, he needs to change what he's doing offensively. My first thought is after after a decade of watching this offense around here, Doug Peterson in nine games has this offense eighth in the league. They got 400 yards last weekend, and, and it didn't feel like a great offensive day, if you follow me. And it, it, it was good. I'm not saying they didn't produce, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel unusual at all for them to get 400 yards. Uh, and then Doug in the presser today said, look, the teams that win right now, the teams that go deep in the playoffs, are throwing to score and running to win. They're mm-hmm. playing this brand of football. And I think that spoke a little bit. He wasn't trying to make this point, but if you read, if you, if you read between the lines, that's what he's doing right now, Bucky. He wants to win now, but he also wants to teach this team, teach Trevor, implement how he's going to play and what he believes they need to be to eventually achieve where they want to go. Yeah, so it's funny you talked about the running game and these things, and I've loosely made reference to Travis Etienne and what I'm seeing from this offense. I want everyone to understand that Doug Peterson was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs when Jamal Charles was doing it up in the National Football League, meaning Jamal Charles was, I mean, just tallying up big numbers as a scrimmage producer, not only as a runner, but as a uh, a receiver, a pass catcher out the backfield. In Travis Etienne, Doug Peterson can envision transforming this offense to the version that the Kansas City Chiefs had when Jamal Charles was one of the best running backs in football. And so even though it's not three yards in a cloud of dust or a grounded premise that we've seen in Jacksonville, the running back is very essential to what he wants to do, particularly now that Travis Etienne has emerged as a top talent. So this offense can be fun and dynamic, but still have the necessary component of the running back being a runner and tallying up 100-yard rush games without it being the old slugfest that we've seen for so many years down in Jacksonville. Let's come back in a moment. We'll take a look at the uh, injury report just put out a little bit ago by the team. A couple of players on the list this week. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Give us those five stars and plenty of comments. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks, presented by the Fields Auto Group and a live look at the Miller Electric Center under construction right outside TIAA Bank Field in the parking lot. What was the old practice fields will soon be two new outdoor practice fields and one inside and a brand new facility for the Jacksonville Jaguars with the stadium stands to go along with it. It should be open for business by training camp of 2023. It's moving along Rather nice. The fair is closed, by the way, the next day or so. A couple days, I think, because of the storm coming through. It's in the parking lot right now. John, I know you've gone over and gotten the funnel cakes and the, the fried butter and the Polish sausages and everything you always get when the fair comes to town. Well, I'm disappointed because I was going today, and now it's closed. So I missed my window. 
We'll see here. We did. Yeah. There was one year we did some video over we there, did. right? Where we you you were alone on the 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 big I forget what it's called swing thing. I was alone with headphones on. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, the, oh, the guy from Something About Mary. It was literally <laughs> we took a camera over there and followed John around. He was literally the only one at the fair, and there was nobody else there. And it was like, it was so sad. Oh, and I'm there. Nobody else wants to be there. <laughs> it was something. That was a long time ago. Hey, a um, couple of players on the injury report today. The team put that out just a few minutes ago. Rayshon Jenkins still in the concussion protocol, did not practice officially today. Evan Ingram with a back issue limited today. He did speak in the locker room today, though. We uh, chatted with Evan for a little bit. Yeah, Evan, even talking to him after Sunday's game, he I don't think he's ever doubted or has no doubt he's hes going to play. He's not very worried about it. So That's good news. We don't know about Rayshon. Uh, concussion protocol is always – Always dicey. So Who's next up? Uh, Andrew Wingard? Got to be. I got to be Dewey. He came out with his hair on fire, if you will, uh, last week, Bucky, and, and made some plays and moments in that game. He did come out with his hair on fire. Look, played played really well when he jumped in. Uh, I think overall the second day played pretty well uh, when they had an opportunity once they got settled in to playing a little more zone. And we'll need to see more of that as this team goes forward because as they play more zone, they can reduce – the big plays that they were allowing and they can stay in games. And so it doesn't always have to look pretty when you're doing the bend but don't break approach, but it certainly can be effective. And it was effective the other night. Bucky, we haven't talked about uh, Trevor Lawrence today. So I want to ask you, um, you know, maybe I was over-exaggerating it. Uh, I, I came out of Sunday's game uh, thinking it was the best I had seen him play. And, I, and maybe I was just, with all the criticism he went through last week and then not starting off that well, for him to respond with four series, I thought he ran when he uh, at the right times. I thought he was poised. I thought he made some big throws to keep them on the field. When if he hadn't completed some of the third down passes, they're off the field and the Raiders have momentum back. I, mean, I, I thought it was the best game he has, he has played because of, uh, of how tough he seemed mentally. Am I overreacting to that? And uh, what was your assessment? No, I agree with your assessment. I think it was one of the best games that he played. And even though I would say he was in a managerial role based on the way that they kind of put the game plan together, I thought it was the best thing for him. I think the big thing that was the improvement was he had a bunch of uh, open shots where in previous weeks he had missed. Uh, Christian Kirk coming open on the third down, running the speed out. Sometimes we've seen him either dirt the ball or sell it. He was on the money in critical moments. And if that Trevor Lawrence shows up, if that version shows up, uh, this one that's when this offense has an opportunity to really go to the next level. We're over here singing the praises of an offense that ranks eighth overall in total offense. Imagine if you even get more consistency from the quarterback, despite all the comments and all the, the, the speculation about him being a bust and all those other stuff. The kid is playing pretty well, and when he's on his game, man, this offense is really, really difficult to defend. What's the difference for him, Bucky? Uh when he has the 70% and up game completion, uh, which he's got four of them, and it's their highest, you know, in the four games where he's had that, it's their four highest scoring games of the season. Are they yeah, putting him in situations yeah. to do that? Is he playing better? Uh, I guess break that down for me if you can. Uh, I think some of the defenses that he's going against, the defenses that have been pretty static, uh, pretty simple when it comes to deciphering what is going on at the line of scrimmage. He's had a lot of success against those teams, with the exception of maybe the Houston Texans. I don't know why it was such a struggle for him dealing with their Tampa, too. But 
he has been really good when he's been able to be in attack mode. I also think that the game plans that Doug Peterson gave him in those games, they really, really worked because the ball was out of his hands. It was a lot of quick rhythm throws, uh, not a lot of high-risk stuff. And I think there's a, a coincidence. I mean, I think there's a correlation to Trevor Lawrence running early in the game. I think it kind of allows him to settle in. And I think as we see parts of what I call the Clemson concept uh, kind of seep its way into the game plan, I think he's very, very comfortable in that. I also think Travis Etienne is comfortable when they do some of the things that are very familiar to them in terms of what they were able to do when they were at Clemson. Well, if you listen to his mic'd up segment, I mean, he likes getting hit. He, he says he plays better when he gets hit. That's what he told, what, number 52 for the Raiders. Uh, mm-hmm. Denzel Perriman. Yeah, yeah so. but I think there's something to that. And I think, you know, a lot of us cringe and, and squirm and all that when the quarterback is running. But we well, have to remember or a as lot you, of Or as dudes, you put it before, Bucky, uh, clutching your pearls about the quarterback. I, I mean, we're clutching our pearls at the quarterback. <laughs> but we have to remember a lot of these guys, because it's a new time, at quarterback, they have been running zone read, design quarterback runs, RPOs since they were in seventh and eighth grade. It's a huge part of who they are as quarterbacks. And now, just recently, the National Football League is catching up, and they're saying, I know it's the quarterback, and I know how much money they command, but the only way for us to maximize what they are is to make sure we put them in their comfort zone. And Trevor Lawrence is very, very comfortable running the ball and getting on the perimeter. It may be, but what... I wasn't paying them $15 million a year, and they weren't getting hit by 280-pound guys when they were in high school. You can't worry, <laughs> you can't worry about, you can't worry about what, you, what, you, what, you, what you're paying them. you got to worry about how they play. So you got to put them in a position to do it because I hate, I hate this for you, John, but we're undergoing a revolution at the quarterback position. The game is changing, not and I know Johnny you spent Oswald, many years not. watching Peyton Manning and number 18 sitting there stiff, not able to move, but dicing people apart. There are not many guys that play like that anymore. Tom Brady is half a hundred. You got Aaron Rodgers fading into the twilight. There aren't many new young quarterbacks that are dealing primarily from the pocket without having athleticism. And so coaches are being tasked with trying to figure out ways to make these guys comfortable. And for Trevor Lawrence, he needs to get knocked around a little bit to be comfortable. So you got to let him run around and get knocked around. Get off my lawn, buddy. Yeah, John's not buying it. (laughs) I don't think. Uh, John, how are you feeling about this game? Oh, I mean, I, mean, I my gut feeling last week was they were going to win. I don't know why. I, mean, I, I guess in the minority on that. I just thought they were going to come through. I, I, I think they'll play well. I just uh, – it's a tall task against a Chiefs team that – I guess if this was in September, I think they'd have a better shot. The Chiefs are a veteran team that knows now they need to keep winning to maintain pace. The Chargers are right on their tail. They're thinking home field. Uh, I just don't think they're going to let up. I don't think the Jaguars will play poorly. But I don't think you can uh, judge your thought on the Jaguars based on how they fare in this game. I think they'll play well. I think it'll be, you know, 35-24 Chiefs because I just think the Chiefs are – an elite team that knows how to play and they're playing at home. I think it's the toughest task maybe outside Philly they've had this season. How about you, Bucky? How are you feeling? Uh, you know, I, I feel okay about it. I think the big thing is uh, this team is not as explosive due to their personnel. They're explosive due to the quarterback. I think the Jaguars can match up on the perimeter with the exception of maybe having to use double teams on Travis Kelsey, but everybody else, I think they're, they're fine with their one-on-ones. 
I think it ultimately comes down to the offense being efficient and the offense playing ball control. If this team can move the ball but have 10, 12 play drives where they're throwing it and running it and shrinking the game, they absolutely can go on the road and win. But it's going to require them to play one of their better games where they don't turn the ball over, they don't give away possessions due to self-inflicted mistakes, and they cash in in the red zone because the Chiefs' defense is vulnerable, but you got to make them pay when they dial it up and blitz. you got to, you got to hit some of these big plays down the field. Yeah, if they, if they have their best red zone game of the season, um, you know, they can win it. Uh, they, their M.O. over the last six weeks has been a critical mistake down in there. They overcame yeah. it last week. When the red zone turned over, they made the mistake. It just feels to me like a game where you can't – you always watch games like this, and a team has an opportunity, and they give it away, and you think, oh, that's going to that's gonna bite them. I think if you mm-hmm. have one of those moments, I'm not sure the Jaguars can overcome big mistakes that way. If they convert in the red zone and get a turnover when they touch the ball on defense, then they can do it. They haven't been able to really – maximize every moment in a game yet like that all right one o'clock kickoff time this sunday at arrowhead in kansas city the chiefs at six and two if it ended today they'd be the number one seed in the afc the jaguars are three and six they snapped a five-game skid last week uh one final note no programming tomorrow the tropical storm hurricane rolling through the offices are closed on the business side so no drive time tomorrow no uh, happy Hour or Doug Peterson Show tomorrow. We'll be back Friday with a week in review on the podcast network and get you ready for a kickoff, of course, on Sunday. So this but is the finale. This, this is, is it. the finale of the week. This is it. This is the last show. What of the better week. way to close it out than Bucky Brooks? Let's go to the. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't mind being a finale. Hopefully, we can get a little practice in. Can we practice? The pr- team's practicing. Practice the team's the here. The team's here doing their thing. Don't worry about them. They'll be okay. here. Make They'll sure be. Practice. Yeah, it's kind of important, especially this week. Against the Chiefs. That's Bucky Brooks, John Osier, Joe Fortunato on the audio, Brent Reber on the video. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks is brought to you by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. Step up to luxuryfieldsauto.com. For our entire crew, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks on the Jaguars Digital Network.